Hey friends, welcome to Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura and I'm a graduate student studying climate science. This podcast is a really cool space to share a lot of things that I take for granted, like general climate change education or personal sustainability efforts. Things that are not necessarily common knowledge, but totally should be. Every week, we're talking about climate change from a bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Today, I am super excited to be talking to Ashley Piper, new author of Give a Shit, Do Good, Live Better, Save the Planet. Ashley is a political strategist turned vegan and eco-lifestyle journalist and TV personality. She regularly contributes to sites like Refinery29, Women's Health, Glamour, and then also on TV, ABC, and CBS. She's really on every media outlet you could ever think of, like Ashley has had a hand in. She's really awesome in putting together a practical handbook in Give a Shit. And the idea of this book is that you can pick it up at any point in your eco-friendly journey, and there are tips that will relate to your life. So whether you are really deep down the wormhole, kind of like where I'm trying to be, or if you are just starting to think about cutting out plastic or things like that, Ashley has tips on what to do with your home, with your kitchen, your closet, cosmetics, you know, what to do at work. So really any aspect of your life where you could want to be a little bit more eco-friendly, Ashley has put together a book to help you do that. We are recording this week from Los Angeles, California, which is very exciting. It's like the start of the Eco Chic summer tour of 2018, and I'm so pumped about that. I feel like a very legit podcaster right now. This is actually the second time that Ashley and I have spoken about the book. We chatted last week, and then I had this like freak computer restart that deleted all my files, not just hers, but like everything I've ever had. So I'm very sad about that, but also very happy to be talking to Ashley for a second time. The first time we spoke, we talked about all these different recipes that she has in the book where it comes to laundry detergent or just like DIY, dry shampoo, things like that. Um, She has different like almond milk recipes, a lot of DIY things that she gives pro tips on. And we went down a deep wormhole last time about that. So if you're interested in those topics, please pick up a copy of Give a Shit. Today, Ashley and I are talking about her personal journey towards a more eco-friendly lifestyle, the practicalities behind living package-free, low-waste, etc., and then also just tips on how you can start implementing some things like this into your life. So we talk a lot also about cruelty-free cosmetics and just what it means to be an ethical vegan. And I also bring up the point of flexible veganism, which is something that I like to claim I belong to. So without further ado, here's our interview. I'm really excited for you all to hear this. Ashley, thank you so much for coming back on to Eco Chic to talk to me a little bit today. I am so excited. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I am so excited to really get even deeper into some of the points that you talked about in Give a Shit, Do Good, Live Better, Save the Planet. How? So the book has been out for about two weeks now, yes? It's been out for just about a week. Oh. A little over a week exciting what are yeah (laughs) (laughs) what are like some of the big um takeaway points for someone who is just like listening in about what give a shit is all about um well give a shit is really intended to be an easy and practical handbook for anyone no matter where they are along uh, the journey of sustainability so you could be an eco expert or you could be somebody for whom even recycling is kind of new um and you're going to find things to take away uh from the book that hopefully will 
empower you and make you re-realize how much our personal habits actually matter. Um, and I hope that folks also find it to be not an all or nothing kind of pursuit of perfection prescriptive book, but rather something that has lots of well-researched and actionable options and almost like a choose your own adventure book. Like people can pick which strategies work for their lifestyle, for their desires, for their income, and just use those in their life as opposed to having to do everything in there. I mean, if people want to do everything in the book, that's great too. But uh, it's really just meant to give folks like some food for thought and some actionable places to start making a positive impact, however they'd like to do that. Awesome. Um, I think that's really helpful because I really have found it to be a very like pick up and go wherever you are in your own eco journal journey. And what I've found a lot of the way, even just talking to people myself, um, when it comes to just a more eco-friendly lifestyle, a lot of these things are very wormhole. Like if you get into zero waste, you also end up getting into veganism and you also, yeah. you know, it's like things like that. So yeah. I wanted to kind of talk about veganism because yeah. you are probably the most practical vegan I've ever spoken to. People are very... Um, <laughs> there's sometimes this like air around veganism that it's... Um, kind of like an elite club and I myself do not feel cool enough to necessarily be vegan full-time because I feel like I'm it's a very um, what's the word a very like conscious lifestyle you're thinking a lot about like full veganism is not just necessarily what you're eating but also the products that you're buying and I kind of wanted Uh to just talk a little bit about um, vegan products, like how you got into veganism and then how that like leads into other areas of your life that are not necessarily food. So like cosmetics, clothing, things like that. Sure. Yeah. And I think before I get into that too, just to like, just to echo what you were saying, very, you were saying it very diplomatically and very nicely. I will say it less diplomatically (laughs) that I actually think, uh, it's nice of you to say that veganism feels like an elite club. I actually think sometimes it feels like a scary and annoying club to be, a part of because people can be extremely militant, which I understand there are a lot of feelings around animal rights and environmental stewardship in there. Um, and it can make people seem some, some people not, I know a lot of hella cool, amazingly inspirational vegans who are doing big things in the world. Um, not just because they're vegan, but because they're just truly caring people who walk the talk. But, uh, I don't, I know a lot of people who have kind of a militant vibe as well. And I don't think that in any movement, whether it's veganism, zero waste, you know, like whatever it is, I don't think that it's helpful in making people feel like they can come to the table, even if they're not quote unquote perfect. So like that's, I feel like I'm like the anti-perfection person. I really do believe incremental changes make a difference. So if like somebody is even curious about eating a meatless meal or, you know, has only eats meat at dinner or whatever I think that still makes a huge difference for the planet and makes a huge difference in changing hearts and minds and I would never turn somebody like that away and say you can't be part of our club or you can't you know you can't you're not doing you're not legit enough and (laughs) that just isn't helpful for anybody and I think that's something I learned as a political strategist it's like if you're going to coalition build you sure should better make sure you're making people feel welcomed and also acknowledged for the changes they're making big or small and so anyway you were just really nice about describing veganism as like a group and I wanted to take some of the heat off (laughs) I've been a vegan for a long time and sometimes I find 
quote unquote my own people to be like too extra in a way that pushes people away, including existing vegans. So um, anyway, now after I've gone on that rant, my God, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of people coming for me. So you were asking about veganism as a lifestyle, like more than just food. Right. Right. And, and then how I got into that or how, what my journey was with that? Yes, I would love to talk about that a little bit more because um, I guess one of the things that got me thinking about veganism and products is just like leather purses, you know, Uh like things that I wouldn't, um, that I kind of took for granted outside of me not eating animal products most of the week. I'm just like, I don't think twice about the products I'm using most of the time or, um, yeah, so I wanted to just get into that. And when it comes to cosmetics, I would love to talk. I know I'm like throwing a lot of things at you right now, but I would love to talk about cruelty-free cosmetics. Um, I was reading that little part of your book um, on just animal, like animal rights. And when it comes to cruelty-free cosmetics, which is like, it's so unnecessary to test on animals for so many things. Right. But I I definitely got like a Legally Bond 2, Elle Woods, Bruiser's Bill Mm. vibe from that chapter. So I wanted to talk a little bit more. Sure. I know I threw a lot at you. So like wherever you want to get into it, I'm into it. No, I love it. So I kind of like to, I guess like there's a semantics. um, (laughs) It's important to cover like the semantics here. So there are people who are vegan and I'm not trying to label people. It's just a helpful way to kind of the taxonomy of understanding how people relate to veganism as a concept and how they see it for themselves. So there are people who eat plant-based or they eat vegan. Um, and they might do that for a variety of reasons. It could be animal rights, it could be health, you know, it could be environmental issues, whatever, whatever. And then there are folks who really adopt it as a holistic lifestyle and apply the principles of non-harming as much as possible to all other aspects of their lives. And that's like kind of how I would categorize myself. And most people identify with that as being called like an ethical vegan. So when somebody tells me they're an ethical vegan, it's like, oh, they're uh, they're vegan beyond just what's on their plate. Um, and for me, it didn't really, I mean, I was like a pretty shitty vegetarian for a while, but I talk in the book and it's because it's true that I was actually attuned to a lot of different animal rights issues outside of animals used for food when I was younger. So I found, I grew up in Texas, I found a pamphlet, and I'm pretty sure it was a PETA pamphlet, on the floor of my local grocery store one day when I was about 11 years old, and the pamphlet was about animal testing. And so I read it, and um, it really impacted me and pretty much changed kind of a lot of the trajectory of my life. And from that point, I really consciously tried not to use anything that was tested on animals. Now, this is, I'm about to be 37. That was when I was 11, so like 26 years ago in Dallas, Texas. There weren't a ton of options um, around, but I was attuned to just the issue that animal testing was very much alive and well in all the products that we use from beauty and personal care to the things we clean our homes with to batteries to garbage bags. And I would not have been, there would have literally been no other way in my life that I would have gotten access to that information. It was also pre-internet, which makes me feel really old, but I wouldn't have ever been kind of woke to that issue had I not found that pamphlet. So grateful to whomever (laughs) distributed that pamphlet because it did really change how I thought things. Um, So animal, like, 
buying cruelty free was something I was focused on, but just when it came to like makeup or beauty or personal care, I was still very much wearing leather. I actually had a, when I was younger, I had a rabbit fur jacket that someone had given me in the family, uh, that I wore until I was probably about like 12 or 13. I, um, my mom was a very big adopter of animals and animal rescuers. So we always adopted companion animals. We never went to a breeder or pet shop or anything like that. Um, and it, I think it made me have like a lot of cool animals as, as a kid. Like I had a one eyed dachshund and I had a gun shy hunting dog with a crooked toe, you know, I had a really motley crew of like pets growing up who were like my buddies. Um, in the best possible way. So yeah, it was very, it was very into like companion animal, like adopt, don't shop type of issues when I was younger. And then as I became kind of more of an adult living on my own in Boston, before I ever really truly explored vegetarianism or veganism, I was going to fur protests and things, but I was Ooh. going to fur protests still wearing leather. So, you know, we, I like to point these things out one, cause it's just the true journey that I've been on. But also because it shows, like, there is no, it's pretty rare, not to say it doesn't exist, but it's pretty rare that somebody gets the information and they wake up the next day and they're like, guys, I'm fully an ethical vegan. I don't wear any of that shit. I don't eat it anymore. I mean, it's great if people can do that and bless up to them if they do, but uh, I certainly didn't have that. That wasn't my journey. My journey was one of first bad, but I'll still wear leather, you know, or first bad, but I'm still going to go have a hamburger after this protest. There were a lot of disconnects and, uh, I still find even like disconnects in my life now. Uh, and I think that's actually kind of cool. It's cool to have a value system that is not so static and unchangeable that you can never evolve with the times with it. So that's, that's really like my relationship with, and then I became a vegan about, ooh, I would say nine-ish or eight-ish years ago. And I was kind of like a garbage vegan when I first started. I ate a lot of <laughs> junk food. I mean, I still do if we're being real, but I had some slips, uh, when I was starting, I had slips when I was transitioning to vegetarianism too. So it's not a perfect science. And I just think people trying it or being willing to explore it I think that's what's great and people need encouragement too they don't need our judgment they need us to encourage them and then when it comes to you were asking about cosmetics and stuff too yeah sorry I just want to girl I just went on a long ass thing oh my god I'm so sorry no oh my god we're gonna have to cut this no (laughs) I, I love the honesty I love it because I think there is a lot of like weird perfection stigma around veganism whether it is ethical veganism or just diet based because Uh I think a lot of social media is just like these really aesthetic looking meatless Monday meals and like all days of the week and I Uh like to call myself I I feel like I heard it on the bachelorette the term flexible vegan like I don't Uh bring any animal products into my home but I'll eat chicken if I'm out or something like that um Like, I'll never do beef, I'll never do dairy for the environmental footprint, but um, flexible veganism is a thing that I, like, I learned the term maybe two weeks ago, and now I'm throwing it around, and my friends like to make a lot of fun of me, but I think that's, like, kind of half the fun is just, like, being able to have a set of beliefs that you can mold to your life, so I really dig that. Totally. And that's, I mean, like, I ate fish and, you know, just fish and dairy as, like, a pescatarian for quite a while. And 
even though that's not like ultimately where I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be vegan. I used to have it as like my New Year's resolution and stuff. I was that like intentional about it, but I wasn't that great in the execution of it. It took me a few tries. Um, I, you can't tell me that like not eating beef and land animals wasn't helping in some way. It was sure as shit helping a lot more than it was when I was eating like burgers every single meal, you know? So I think whatever it is that, that makes people like it continually explore and be curious about those kinds of lifestyles and to continually develop themselves within those lifestyles and find a place for themselves. Like that's our job is to make people feel supported and good in those changes. And like, there's a place for them. And I do feel like sustainability especially has gotten kind of this whitewashed veneer. And I say this, I'm like a white, you know, I'm like a white heteronormative privileged woman. But I do think like, you know, you look at a lot of social media accounts around sustainability and it's a lot of white chicks, you know, who go on yoga retreats and have their trash in mason jars. Now, are those people amazing? Yeah, they're fucking amazing. They're doing like incredible stuff that I really think makes a huge difference and they're inspiring people but it also does to a certain extent inadvertently and this is not anybody's fault uh it makes people people see that and some people feel excluded from the movement because they think i can't be that perfect or i don't have the money to do that or i don't live in that area or i don't look like that or i don't have those same opportunities so i hope one of my hopes of the book even though i'm obviously writing it from my perspective but is that people read it and they say, oh, you mean I don't have to go out and buy a bunch of new shit to live sustainably? No, dude, you don't. Like, you don't have to buy new stuff. You don't have to buy all, like, the brand new vegan products. You know, all you have to do is slow down and just be more thoughtful about the choices that you already make. Like, so, I don't know why I went on that rant, but... (laughs) I don't know why I went on that rant, but I think I, I agree with you that the whole it's becoming kind of a, any kind of movement around sustainability and all of these I see as being under the umbrella of sustainability are, feel like they cater to one particular kind of group of people. And it really, this really is a job for all of us. So we have to make everybody feel welcomed. I love that. Thank you for, you know, like putting that, those vibes out into the universe because I am such an advocate for, you know, practical sustainability. Sustainability should be for everybody, and there's really no sense in us being like, you have to live this minimalist lifestyle in order to, like, truly consider yourself an environmentalist, um, you know, or, like, whatever it is around it that you feel like there's a mold that you have to fit in, and it really doesn't have to be that way. And on that topic, I wanted to talk about this chapter in the wild that you have in Give a Shit, that yeah. is kind of that same idea of just welcoming people into your um, value system whenever you are out at work or at a bar or whatever. And I kind of wanted to just talk about, like, what are some things that you really see as easy, maybe sustainability fixes is the word that I'm looking for. Something that you really advocate for when you're out to just, like, refuse a straw or, like, things mm-hmm. like that. Or at work, what can people do? Well, I think you hit on one that's really gained a lot of traction. I mean, refusing straws is one of the easiest things in the world to do. It does have a huge impact. And it's got so much celebrity backing now with, like, the Lonely Whale and Adrian Grenier and, yes. you know, all these influencers who are doing fantastic work to build awareness around how straws, like, have been polluting our planet for a really long time and they're pretty unnecessary. So I think 
a lot of us who have been, you know, eschewing or refusing straws for a long time have actually found that it's an opportunity for positive conversation. Um, and I think it can be the same with anything. Like, I'm not going to bore your listeners with the stuff they probably already know, like bringing your own water bottle or bringing your own coffee mug or bringing your own containers when you go out to eat for leftovers. But all of those uh, create an opportunity, whether it's with you and the cashier or you and the waiter or you and other patrons, to have a conversation around why you're doing this thing that is not part of the status quo and I think having like that healthy curiosity and kind of that sense of adventure around like ooh, when I do this thing it's not only aligned with my values because it's great for the planet but I could spark some really cool conversations with people that if I handle those conversations right could be inspirational for that person too to take on those behaviors so I think if we approach any type of sustainable thing that we're doing with that attitude of this is a chance to educate and inspire without judgment and also to accept people where they are. So if somebody says, hey, it's really stupid that you don't want a straw, say, cool, man, thanks. God bless. Have a good day. <laughs> but like, still see, that person's still seeing you going without a straw and living just fine, whereas you're going to get a lot of other people who might be curious as to why you're you know, bringing your own bags or your own coffee mug or whatever it is. Right. And I think that just seeing those as opportunities as opposed to opportunities for a fight um opportunities just to like have a healthy discussion um around why you've adopted this thing in your life is is really neat so i work uh at like a fortune 50 company and uh, i would say it's not as sustainable as i hope it would be someday but i also see myself as being really like someone who is part of hopefully the solution like I have I work there I have the power to like change certain things so even a quick conversation with uh, the gal who does our supplies buying like literally a two-minute conversation in the hall led to her discovering that buying compostable flatware was um, the same price as buying the traditional plastic flatware that we had in the kitchen and she was down for it she wasn't down yet for you know buying or having us have like a full set of cutlery that everybody could use and wash because some people are lazy and like refuse to wash their stuff. Um, but she was down with like compostable and that's, you know, is it perfect? No. Is it better? Yes. It's a lot better. So that's like a good example of you can find tons of opportunities in your office in your volunteering life at your gym, you know, wherever you happen to be to have those like healthy conversations that could lead to, you know, uh, something that's incrementally a much more positive shift. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing because I always feel a little, I guess now I'm very open about discussing why I don't want a straw. I feel like the conversations I have with people at bars or just at restaurants when it comes to waitresses, things like that, people always want to talk about like, oh, thanks for not using a straw because we care about sea turtles. You know, if you attach yeah. that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe like something a little bit more charismatic or relatable to the issues around single-use plastics. Um, or like you said, with compostable cutlery as opposed to a set, it is very much about just like doing what you can. Yeah. And the issue of compost is also something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, I think it's very maybe the word I'm looking for is geographically specific, but I feel like I speak to so many people who don't know about compost 
And right. compost is by no means, like, a new thing. Like, compost did not just, like, rise out of the ground yesterday. People have been composting forever. So, um, just educating people on little issues like that of reducing food waste, that's, like, a really easy, like, minimally, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a time investment, energy investment, things that you can do. And just, like, talking to people about why all of your scraps go into a bowl in the freezer as opposed to a trash can. I think that's just a really awesome, helpful way to spread the message. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, composting is, people don't realize, the only time people care about composting, I feel like, especially in a very urban environment, is when they start to get charged a fee for using more trash cans than the city can provide them. At least here in Chicago, that's like the conversation. But what people, I don't think, know is they don't know the food waste stats that are pretty staggering out there that you uh, alluded to. And they also don't realize that when food waste, i.e. like organic material, gets up in a landfill with less organic material like a dresser, for instance, or a car bumper, it's going to rot, of course, like it would in composting, but not in the same way. It's going to produce a shit ton more methane than normally would, and that's going to create a huge problem for the planet. So having our food waste in a landfill not only is just it, it takes up more space and travels more length, but also it produces more gases than normal material in a non-food material in a landfill. So that alone, you know, is I think kind of interesting for people. And then they can cut their trash cans by like half because we throw away so much food waste. And then once you start composting, it's like a nice slippery slope, right? Because you're like. Oh, I'm composting. I feel really virtuous, but holy shit, I throw out a lot of food. <laughs> right. I feel bad about that. What can I do about that? So it's it's a nice way to just continually learn more about yourself and your habits. Yeah. And change them if need be. <laughs> yeah, that's like I think one of the things that we talked about, just like that rabbit hole of once you get into one, you just like go full force into so many different sustainability movements. Composting was kind of like. Um, something that I've picked up more recently, like within the last year, but for some reason I didn't think about, um, composting until I was thinking about reducing my trash in general, like just reducing waste. So Uh it came very naturally in the sense that, um, you know, just one, like moving into one sustainability, sustainability movement, like full force really forces you to think about all the other things in your life, um, that you do that are not necessarily super environmentally friendly and it is kind of a slippery slope in that I feel like sometimes I can just sit there and really like marinate on my thoughts of like am I doing enough am I but in theory like you are like if you're doing something like you're doing fine you know what I mean yeah no absolutely it makes a anything makes a huge difference anything makes a difference um and see we can say that like without freaking out too because like you said any small thing that you try and you feel like you get kind of positive feedback from it, it's going to be like a gateway drug. You're going to want to try more things that are going to help you to be better to the planet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Ashley, because I know you've had a busy day of other radio interviews and you have a real life outside of... This is the my favorite. (laughs) Talking with you is always my favorite. (laughs) I can say always we've done it twice now. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can everyone find you online? Uh, so I have a website with my 
name. It's just ashleypiper.com, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E-P-I-P-E-R.com. And all the information about the book is on there. And there's also resources that I list in the book, um, like an ethical offload grid, which will show you how to basically ethically donate almost anything, um, as well as what I'm calling the little black book, which is just a listing of companies, whether it's for clothing, furniture, personal care, food stuff, stuff around your home, um, resources, and also charities that I think are doing really great work in the realm of sustainability. So you can find all that on my site. Awesome. And I will have all of your links in the show notes. So your Instagram, your website, where everyone can find the book on Amazon. And it is now all over the world, as we've spoken. Canada, yeah, Germany. Yeah, Barnes & Noble, Indigo, Walmart, Target. So it's, it's out there. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so, so much for calling me and just chatting. I'm just a treat and a half. I love talking oh to you. Oh, my God. I love you. You're doing incredible things. You're also, like, so young and so brilliant and going to do so many great things. <laughs> thank when you so much. When I was so your much. age, I was like, getting wasted, you know? getting wasted and eating pizza so good good on you you're really making it happen thank you well now it's just like getting wasted without straws and eating vegan pizza so there you go. wow that's you know you're my hero I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation with Ashley. I am so excited to be bringing her to y'all because give a shit, do good, live better, save the planet. Her book is truly the most comprehensive handbook that I have found on sustainability. And I mean, I read a lot of sustainability books. I'm not going to like pretend that I've never picked up anything before on this topic. So I really do think that it's an awesome resource for anyone, whatever point in the journey you are. If you just want to like start giving up plastic or you want to talk more about cruelty-free products or veganism, or she also has a lot of really awesome DIY recipes for things you can do package-free, like laundry detergent. I got my current laundry detergent recipe from this book that I just tried last week, and it is awesome. And I just have to say that Ashley is just a wealth of knowledge and like like I said, truly a treat and a half. She is just so freaking cool. So I encourage everyone to go ahead and follow her, read the book, pick it up. I will have the links to her Amazon down below. I guess not her Amazon, but the book on Amazon and then all of her links down below. Before I get into my links today, I want to share a new little segment we're going to call it. And every week on the podcast, I would like to start answering frequent questions or if there's a really great specific question that I get that week, I would love to share some answers here on the podcast. A lot of the questions I get are kind of redundant. A lot of people have the same curiosities when it comes to a more sustainable lifestyle. And the podcast is a really great way to get those answers out to everyone in a really efficient, holistic manner. So this week, I want to talk about food storage. I'm a big advocate for shopping zero waste when it comes to groceries, especially. So I have reusable produce bags that I literally do not shut up about. And I like to store dry goods in jars or other means of glass packaging on my own at home. None of my jars are the same. I didn't go out and buy a whole new set of jars. Um, A lot of them are mason jars that I've thrifted, pasta sauce jars that I've repurposed. I have a ton of peanut butter jars because I go through a lot of peanut butter. Beyond dry goods today, I want to talk more specifically about produce items that you keep in your fridge and how to store those package free. So I'm talking lettuce, spinach, asparagus, herbs, even carrots, broccoli, things like that. Anything with a stem is what I want to talk about today. And I like to treat all of these produce items like I would treat a plant. 
So you bring it home and you just trim, you know, maybe a quarter inch off the bottom, just like you would any other like flower that you might be bringing home. Trim it a little bit and you put it in a jar or a cup with maybe like half an inch of water, whatever works for that particular produce item. And you just treat it like a plant in your fridge. It's kind of cute because you end up with this little garden type thing on your refrigerator shelves. Using this method ends up keeping your produce much fresher for much longer than they would be anyway stored in plastic. And you end up with like a really cute looking fridge. So if you end up trying out this method, please let me know. I'm really interested in getting people more on this package-free produce train. I hope that was helpful. If you have any suggestions on what I should call this new segment of sustainability pro tips that I'm gonna be doing at the end of every episode of Eco Chic, I would love to hear your suggestions for a segment title. Um, I'm kind of at a loss as to what I should call this, but I really wanna start putting the information out there. If you would like to chat about science or sustainability, or maybe you have a really good suggestion for that new pro tip segment title, please slide into my DMs. I am at Diaz on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get in contact with me. But if you want to email me, you can email me at laura at lauraediaz.com. I will have it linked down in the show notes if you are so inclined to do that. Otherwise, I will see you guys next week. I hope you have a great day. Bye.